According to Kevin at JDA Software, the future of supply chain is in autonomy, as in the autonomous supply chain. So what does that mean for us? Well, tune in and find out in Season 2, Episode 40 at letstalksupplychain.com. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. As we draw closer to the holidays, I want to wish you happy shopping. May the parking lots be good to you and the lines short. So let's get to Listener's Corner. So this week's question was brought to us by Lindsay in Indiana. Thank you so much, Lindsay. She asks, what do you wish people would talk about more in supply chain? Well, this question got so much engagement on LinkedIn, you're going to want to make sure that you go to my listeners corner page at the website, Let's Talk Supply Chain, because I am not going to be able to get to all of the amazing answers that I received on that post and to that question. Chris Turner, he talked about the business beyond the supply chain, and he elaborates on that a bit in part one and part two of his answer on LinkedIn. And then Tony Player agreed with Chris on that one. Brian Glick, he talked about, you know, employee well-being, um, mental health in the industry. And I think that is a really great point. Anthony Zampello talked about manufacturing. He wants to learn more about manufacturing and what it means to transportation and purchasing. Um, we also have Kevin Sternekert. He talked about using supply chain as a strategic competitive weapon and that we need to hear more about that one. And then we have Timothy Dooner. He was talking about costs. I think Pat Roche also mentioned the cost, that it's not just simply a rate exercise, but that we need to consider everything and our organizations need to understand the value of their supply chain. So they want to hear more about that one. And then we have Max Sullivan. He was talking about in-house training. Um, supply chain management and AI. And then we had Doug Kimball. He came back and talked about how he wants to learn more about data, but mastered data as a part of the digital supply chain. Because he says we hear more about big data, IoT, industry 4.0, etc., and the impact they will have on supply chain, but they all have data out at the core. So he wants to, he actually, this is going to be our question of the week next week. How do we bring boring old data into the forefront of the supply chain conversation? Elias Mena said inventory management. Uh, Sherry Spinks wants to know more about or wants to hear more about advancing women and diversifying the supply chain. Paul Asante wants to hear more about preparing for audits. And Kennedy Muchiri, he was talking about how we need to uh, talk more about data management and integration and best continuous development programs that enhance 
the talent. So thank you to every single one of the those people that engaged with the question and came up with some amazing, amazing answers. And I will have all of that on my website. Uh, just quickly out of Twitter, Nicole Vernkent, she said we need to talk more about local spend as well. So remember to send me your questions and that's to listener at letstalksupplychain.com and get involved with the conversations on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you follow me on LinkedIn, I do post that every Wednesday, as well as in the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page. So make sure you go and check it check that out. And it is posted every Wednesday. So this week, my resident industry expert is back for one more lively conversation about current trends and challenges this year. Graham Robbins from Border Buddy is with me this time to talk about how reliant we are on our postal service these days with the exponential increase in online shopping to the point where major holidays can be ruined at the drop of a hat or a strike, if you will, and could cripple an entire industry. Plus, because it is right before the holidays, we are going to add in the importance of New Year's resolutions for your business and what that means at Border Buddy. So welcome back to the show, Graham. Thanks for having me once again. Yeah, I can't wait for this discussion today, as I know you have some strong feelings about this topic, and recent recent events have brought it more into light. So let's get started, because I know that this is going to be a great conversation, but maybe a little bit lengthy. So let's start with, you know, how important is last mile delivery to our global economy? Yeah, it's it's super important. It's massive. You know, you, you think about these carriers or couriers that are delivering and a lot of people that are just receiving sort of normal packages right from a you know from an amazon that they just get delivered sort of without any hiccups but there's all this last mile a uh, high touch delivery that we kind of forget about like delivery of furniture and the setup of furniture electronics in-home setup um, there's all this this other piece of of last mile that is very complicated it's high touch um, so it's super important and it's super fragmented. You know, there's just thousands and thousands of little carriers doing that last mile as long as well as some of the, the big, big guys, of course. Yeah. So I guess for anybody that doesn't understand or doesn't know what last mile delivery is, it's that portion that from the warehouse to consumer, right? Right. It, it, it's, um, it's from the, yeah, exactly. From distribution center to the consumer. Um, it, it's, it, it's so it's so all encompassing. It's actually hard to explain when people think about it. Well, what do you mean? I just get a FedEx package and it and it comes to me. Well, there's there's FedEx and the UPS is doing that last mile, but there's a lot of things that don't get delivered to a consumer's door. That you know, there's a lot of couriers and trucking companies and carriers that don't do residential deliveries and also don't service all the U.S. or Canadian businesses. So this last mile piece is a very important piece to get it from that warehouse to the to the end destination. Absolutely. And I think we're going to get it, get into that in a little bit, but it's and it's super important to somebody's brand. You know, like the last mile delivery can make or break a company. Yes, and I think, you know, we've talked a lot about self-driving or autonomous vehicles in in this in the previous episodes and I think this is a huge opportunity there as well. You know, they're basically going to be driving lockers, you know, driving parcel lockers. Uh, I sort of I sort of envision this, you know, like the ice cream truck, you remember the, you know, the noise of the music coming down the street? It'll be like a, yeah. it'll be like your Amazon packages coming down the street 
uh, in an autonomous vehicle. That's why so much effort is being put into these things or another reason why there's a lot of smart people working on to make this a reality because it's such a massive piece. Like imagine delivering to, you know, in Canada or, or the US, you know, 300 million households or however many households there are. It's just it's staggering what needs to be done. So the truck's going to come down the street and you're going to know it's Amazon because it's just going to play the same tune, like a diff- like a different tune, like the <laughs> yeah. ice cream truck? Yeah, we should bet on that. What will they do? How will that actually look? You know, will it stop at, at a regular mailbox? Will it go door to door? I don't know what it'll actually look like, but I think that's really going to happen. Uh, that's amazing. I just want to know what song they're going to use. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, that and maybe the drone, the, you'll know when the drone's going to come in for delivery too, because it's going to have the music playing as well. Yeah, they'll have their own jingle for the, for the drone package, you know, sort of incoming. <laughs> I think we should suggest that and maybe license it out and make some money on that. What do you think? <laughs> exactly. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, d- despite all the advancements in tech in this space, because there, it is a fairly competitive space uh, within technology. Um, But for the most part, we are still very reliant on postal service or courier, which is very expensive uh, compared to the postal service. So what are the challenges that come with that? I mean, most recently in Canada, I don't know if my U.S. listeners know this, but our Canada Post went on strike. And um, it has caused, I think, the recent stats that I saw maybe of last week was that they were behind 90 days and had something like 600 trailers in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, there's two things that happened in the last week or so that those statistics we've heard that, that parcel deliveries is going to, is going to leak over into 2019. So in other words, if there is, if there are parcels in progress, they could, they could not be delivered maybe by, by Christmas, which is what everyone's concerned about. Um, there are, there is some, there is some scare tactics in there, but there's a reality as well of the backup. And, um, the other thing, just two days ago, I think they, they released their Canada Post released their quarterly earnings. <laughs> and so, you know, Canada Post lost $94 million last quarter and $266 million loss year to date. Uh, and so the, the data from the press release, I think it's just absolutely staggering because what's, what's hurting them really is mail. Their parcel delivery and the package delivery because of e-commerce is growing like crazy, like 20%, 25% year over year, quarter over quarter. But this stat actually shocked me. So the mail volume decreased by 119 million pieces. That's for a quarter. So think about this for a minute, 119 million pieces, but that was only 4.9%. So in other words, this we're talking billions of pieces of mail and it's declining by a hundred million dollars, you know, whether that, I think that was, sorry, I should have confirmed that, but I think it was year to date. So if that, if that mail carrier, the person that's walking door to door has 10 items in their hand or a hundred or one, they're all getting paid the same. So it's, it's a really bad model. And I think the mail is actually hurting Canada Post hugely because they just have, they're losing hundreds of millions of pieces year over year. It's just going to keep going because, you know, we're sending less and less mail. In the meantime, they're trying to ramp up their package delivery, which costs more. Um, and so they're, they've just got this broken model of, of, of walking door to door with pieces of paper. So it's, 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 a, it's a staggering, staggering problem. 
Yeah, and I know we're using Canada Post as an example, um, partly because we we live in Canada. But I, I think that there are still also some of the same challenges within USPS in the US as well. And I'd be interested to see, and I probably should have uh, maybe looked this up, but to see sort of the numbers um, based on, you know, the, the packages that go through the postal service, whether it's in Canada or not, because I think that there are a lot of businesses that are relying on the postal service. There's a lot of businesses that use postal service because it's less expensive than courier, um, which means that we can keep the margins or we can offer, you know, free shipping to the consumer, which every single consumer is uh, looking for. Um, but some of the challenges that come with that is that if we're reliant on them, and again, they do something like a postal strike like we've had here in Canada, it can mean detriment um, to businesses, um, especially small to medium size. Yeah, I agree. And and the numbers in the U.S. are very similar. They're, they sort of mirror what's happening in Canada. And I just checked the data really quickly on the parcel results as well. So their, their parcel volume, which are packages, right? Those are not, it's not mail, increased by 14 million pieces for the third quarter. So that's a 23% growth, but then they declined by 35 million pieces of mail for the same quarter. So, and that 119 pieces was year to date. So it's just staggering what they're having. They're having this huge decline in their, what was typically their core business. And the U S is experiencing this as well. Um, and then a, a huge increase in parcel delivery. So uh, it's, it's this, it's just this, the, the earth is moving underneath their feet right now. That's what's happening. That's crazy. So we've, you know, I sort of brought it up in, in my last statement, but when there is a disruption with postal service, like we just saw, you know, what does that mean for business and the economy? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's the Canada strike one. Again, I, I'm, I got to be careful because it's, it's an important piece of our economy. But I mean, imagine a world where your company loses a quarter of a billion dollars in nine months and your workers walk out for more pay which is a more expense, right? So basically there's a huge disconnect between the performance of the company and the, you know, the pay or the, the benefits to the employees. And now I get this. I respect that they're in this, they've had this model of bargaining agreements and things like that for years, but I just think that the model is broken. And as you say, the businesses are crippled if they're relying, reliant on it. Um, so they need their packages. They need, if there's checks in the mail and they don't receive their checks, you know, this is a big problem. So, you know, it's a massive impact. Um, and, and, you know, I just think that, that there's got to be the more that this happens and the more volume that's coming through there with packages that we've got to look at other solutions. Like what else can we do? Absolutely. And I think you bring up a really great point. So, you know, not only um, with a disruption like that for small to medium sized businesses that rely on the postal service to deliver their packages, not only are they maybe incurring increasing costs because they've had to go with an alternative that is much more expensive, but you're right. Um, you know, companies are still paying each other by check. And so, again, you know, depending on what your terms are with your customers or your vendors, 
Um, you know, it could be 30 days, it could be 60 days. And with a disruption like that, it could take you into uh, 90 plus days um, to even get paid for that product as well. Yes. And it, 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 this is the challenge is that I don't think it's just going to get better, you know, with, with the way that it's structured, with the business structure, with the ownership structure of Canada Post. You know, if, it, if, if I had my say, I would say just stop mail delivery. You know, I just think that we would figure out ways to pay each other electronically. We'd move to digital faster. Um, and I, I, you know, there's stores now, lots of stores you walk into, they won't take a check, you know, so, you know, businesses need to adapt, but because we can just print this check off and throw it in the mail, it's there. But if, if we could take away mail delivery, I think it would be wonderful. <laughs> and then just focus on package delivery, which of course we're, we're going to need for a long time, but the amount of mail I get on my desk that's just goes right into the recycling bin is absolutely staggering. It's just, um, mostly garbage. You know, it's mostly goes straight into the, to the recycle bin. Yeah. And I think it, I think it's a change in mindset as well. Right. Um, and we definitely need to take a look at, you know, other alternatives for sure. But when something like this happens, this disruption, you know, so the, the retail industry or association was on the news the other day talking about how this strike was going to cripple the retail industry, especially the small to medium sized businesses that rely on, you know, the Black Friday, um, the Christmas shopping, mm-hmm. the, um, for us, it's boxing day as well. And majority of their sales are now online. They're not in bricks and mortar. And so, you know, you could completely cripple an industry. And so with a disruption like this, I urge small to medium sized businesses to take a look at alternatives um, to the postal service, or at least on the payment side, change the mindset around, you know, issuing a check, getting a check. But I know that that extends out to your partners, right? And, and um, talking to them about how you can better, um, you know, pay each other. Yeah, and um, get get on the same page with that. Yeah, and I agree on the parcel delivery side. This is this is the double whammy for Canada Post, right? So they they're striking, and so now what are people going to do? They're going to look for other options, which is great for the purulators and the DHLs and the FedEx and the UPS. Now, mind you, some of them have strike issues as well, but just as Canada Post um, and and USPS, just as their parcel delivery is booming you know, they kind of get taken out of the knees with a strike and people will look for other options. So they, they, you're right. They do need to look at, at backup options. Um, and there are lots of, lots of other companies that aren't on strike and that, that can do the package delivery, you know, letter delivery, not so much. Okay. So what, what do we do from here? You know, let's talk about some of the solutions that might be available to um, those businesses that need a solution like this. Um, I did a little bit of research and saw something around the, the, something around crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. So is crowdsourcing last mile, you know, like we've done in the taxi and the food service industry, is that the answer to all of this? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think crowdsourcing is an interesting idea. Um, I think it's very fragmented, right? I think, I think, um, it, using the food delivery as an example, I see restaurants, you know, they have four different iPads at the checkout, you know, one for Uber Eats, one for Skip the Dishes, one for Postmates. You know, there's, there's, there's challenges there with the fragmentation. Um, and I, I'm not sure that crowdsourcing is going to take off in a huge way, but I do think it's going to be really effective on uh in regional areas 
So regional players that will do really well, you know, whether it's, you know, Seattle or, or San Francisco or whatever it might be, you'll have some great, you know, regional players that are, that are going to do that last mile delivery. But overall, I think the shift is, is long-term. It goes back to this. And I, I know it always sounds kind of crazy, but I, I go back to the sort of self-driving delivery and, and uh, self-driving vehicles and that there's those, that's where the direction is going. In the meantime, the crowdsourcing and, and the apps, you know, there's lots of apps, but you've seen some of these apps go bankrupt already because it's just a tough, tough model. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting three to five years coming up with this. Yeah. And I think some other solutions to maybe consider. And one example, actually, through this Canada post strike, um, Andrea Stairs of eBay, she's been on the show before, and she actually made mention that some of the, her eBay um, sellers were offering local pickup um, if people wanted to buy from them in their local area, which I thought was a really smart um, and quick decision on the, um, the vendor's part. Right. And then another thing to think of, too, is if you have a local distribution center or if you have the privilege of even having bricks and mortar stores would be to have some product on hand in that town or city um, for actual pickup in maybe the event of a disruption so that you're not completely stalled um, and you have some alternative options for when something like this happens. Yeah, you have to be looking at all options for sure. And, and pickup is becoming more and more popular. Obviously, it's there's no no cost involved to either the seller or the the buyer, you know, per se. There's gas money and mileage and things like that. But um, I agree, you've got to be thinking about you know what your customers want too. You know, some of them want delivery, but some of them um, are happy to pick up as well. You're seeing Walmart and other companies like that put in these huge, you know, package towers in their stores. For people to pick up. So yeah, I agree. You got to be looking at, at all options. Yeah, but I think on the other side, and I want to sort of throw this out to the whole supply chain community is that we need a competitor to the postal service. Um, the courier, I mean, there is the courier, we've talked about the different courier companies, but it's still a lot more expensive. Just for an example, I look to ship a box, I think, um, Canada Post versus UPS. And there was a 20 to $21 difference between Ontario and Quebec. And so, you know, that is definitely going to eat into margins, depending on what you're shipping. I mean, I was shipping a box, um, but we need a competitor and we need a competitor fast um, because I don't think that anything is going to change until we can have somebody that's going to come in and compete against those postal services. Yeah. And you're seeing that, you know, this is not a new issue. We've seen Canada Post strikes multiple times over the last decade, and it's the same thing all over again <laughs> yeah and it's not just canada post right i mean usps the exact same thing could happen um it may not have happened for a while i haven't re- i don't remember actually hearing of one um recently um but it can definitely happen and when it happens what are how are you prepared and what are you going to do in your business to make sure that you're able to still deliver to your consumers so I know that you are a big fan of Amazon. Um, I know that you do a lot of research and you read a lot of articles around Amazon. So as an example, you know, Amazon did get affected by this. And I was just wondering from your standpoint and what you've read, have they sort of announced what they do in the event of a disruption? 
you know, they, they talk about it and they, they, they're really good at notifying customers. You know, if you are, if you have a shipment that is in that system, they'll talk about delays and things like that, but they're always thinking bigger, right? So, uh, the, the thing that shocked me or not shocked me, but you just look at the scale of things that they do and how they do it. So they, they just leased 20,000 sprinter vans and started that whole new prime delivery uh, program where you are basically working as an Amazon driver. So they're hiring. Um, I shouldn't say they're hiring. It's actually not an Amazon hire per se. It's you become a contracted worker for Amazon. And, you know, the, the statistics around it are, you know, you can earn $300,000 in annual profits if you start and hire up to 100 drivers for a fleet of up to 40 delivery vehicles. So they're really encouraging people to take this on almost like a franchise where you're now a delivery company for Amazon only. So they, they're not sitting there, what, you know, getting um, held hostage by the postal service or any courier. They're creating their own last mile end to end delivery. They, they're, they're a NBOCC freight forwarder as well. So they're, they're not sitting here watching this. And, and if you look at that from a scale perspective, that 20,000 vehicles doesn't sound like a lot, it, you know, it just, it's a lot of vehicles. Don't get me wrong, but you think, okay, they've got to go throughout the whole U S with that. But for, for comparison, you know, UPS has 119,000 vehicles worldwide and FedEx has 100,000 FedEx vehicles and 60,000 FedEx ground vehicles. So just with that one notification or one press release, they're already at a third of the size of FedEx ground. So they're going to they're gonna remove the postal service from their end-to-end delivery over time. Absolutely. I mean, what, what is that going to do to their business as well? Right. And the other, the other thing to consider with Amazon too, is that that could be a solution in amongst itself, right? Um, you know, fulfilling your product with Amazon not only allows you to sell through Amazon Prime, but when a disruption like this happens, even having a portion of your product in Amazon and them already having the, um, the solutions in place when a disruption like this happens, you can piggyback on that and be able to uh, utilize that instead. Oh, and, and Amazon is so brilliant. Uh, you know, I am a fan, of course, but um, they're so brilliant in every way that they think about their business. They develop, design, and architect their businesses to be used by other businesses. So you go back to cloud computing. They're the biggest cloud computing platform provider in the world, and they host Netflix and Apple and things like that. They host those. So guess what's going to happen when they, when they have these vehicles in place? They're not just going to deliver Amazon packages. If you're, a, if you're a large volume seller, they will take on your packages as well. So, you know, they're not going to just stop at Amazon. They're, they're going to they're going to be the full delivery service. This is my prediction anyway, is that they're going to be a full delivery service for for anyone and everyone that has the volume and the infrastructure and the, the technology that they need to provide that beautiful end to end service. Absolutely. And definitely something to think about as you, you know, do your planning for 2019. And that brings me into the second part of our interview, which is to talk about New Year's resolutions for business. I mean, we hear about New Year's resolutions for people personally, 
Um, but we don't always hear about it for business. And I think that this is a really nice way of, you know, helping you to think about planning, but also providing with some short term goals uh, to really hit and some milestones to hit within the first uh, little bit, little while of 2019. And maybe just to throw this out there as a New Year's resolution is to take a look at your last mile strategy. Take a look at what you would do in event of a, a disruption. What are your alternatives? Maybe it is, you know, taking a look at Amazon. If they are going to end up being a delivery service, it's something to think about. So why don't you talk a little bit about the New Year's resolutions for business that um, you've kind of come up with? Yeah, you know, I, I think of I think of resolutions and goals kind of differently um, from you know. F- I think of a, a resolution as a start or stop. Like I'm going to, my resolution is I'm going to start doing this. I'll start going to the gym in January or, you know, whatever it might be. So I actually do, I like what you said about goals, you know, so it's basically, we're, we call them New Year's resolutions a lot, but, you know, goals are something that really can break down into chunks and work towards. And I, I think you, that's a great, a great idea of a goal to set up for, you know, what would happen with a delivery uh, interruption, let's set a goal for setting up some sort of backup or a business continuity plan. I think that's a super important point. Um, you know, and, and because we're near, you know, near New Year's, there's always this thing about, you know, getting fit or getting healthy or whatever it might be. But that, that can, you know, that can relate to your business as well. I really think that the biggest part about goals, though, is there's this acronym called SMART about goals. Like they have to be specific measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely so that you, you really think about those goals to say, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm going to do this thing by June. You have to really break it down into a plan to how you're going to get there, how you're going to, what are the markers that you achieve by January, by February, by March to be on track for June. So that's a really big piece. And, and I think this is a great time of year to reflect on, you know, what's been working, what hasn't been working and, and what goals do we need to set? Yeah. And I like your correlation to resolutions and being healthy. So on the personal side, you think about resolutions, like you said, and, you know, starting to go to the gym in January and things like that. But when we translate that into business, there's a, there's a few ways that we can think about this. How can we make our business healthier? And also, how can we take care of our employees to make sure that the employees and the culture is healthy as well? And I think that that is, you know, a good way also to take a look at resolutions versus goals as well. You know, I I agree. And I think I think every company should have goals, you know, that they share with their employees and involve their employees with to achieve. I think you should celebrate that. But then you think about, okay, well, how are we helping our people? you know, how are you helping our people achieve their goals? You know, it's, it's nice that, that uh, the company reaches their goals and we celebrate that, but, you know, wouldn't it be nice to help our people really personally benefit by helping them achieve their goals in life? And how, you know, what do they want to do? What does their three, five-year plan look like? And how can the business help enable those goals? So I really, I totally agree to get, to get goal setting and goal achievement into your culture not just selfishly for your company, but how can you actually uh, get your people thinking about themselves and, and their plans for the future? 
Yeah, at the beginning of this episode in the intro, uh, Brian had mentioned, Brian Glick from Chain.io, he mentioned that he would like to see more people talking about mental health in supply chain because it is such a stressful environment. It's a very, you know, um, pressure-filled job with a lot of problem solving. And, um, you know, there's there's some stress that goes along with that. So I think that, you know, the resolutions and, and being tied to, you know, healthier company, healthier employees, that kind of thing is, is something really important to think about and, and talk about as well. So can you tell us how Border Buddy has incorporated this into your strategy? And can you tell us a little bit about your resolutions? Sure. You know what we've, we've gone through, you know, we're still, I call it a bit of a journey here because we're still learning and we're still trying things. But so we've gone from a company that's basically had no vision, no goals at all to having a vision and goals, but not sharing it with everybody to uh, sharing the vision and goals and then giving everyone in the company goals that are aligned to those. And we're just seeing this amazing energy through the company where everyone's got a goal that that cascades down from our our company goals and it's just so fun to watch so we've seen that progression but i'm actually i haven't actually announced this in the company yet but maybe by the time this episode goes live you know one of the things that we are going to do is that personal personal and family vision and um i think i'm really excited about it because i was at a session with um the, the person that started really early with Lululemon and started with their culture. Now say what you will about some of the challenges that they've had in the last few years with some, with the CEO and things like that, but uh, their culture is super strong and it really started with goal setting. Like every store has a, has a whiteboard or a chalkboard in there and it shows the employee goals. And so I'm really, we're really working on that. And we want to talk more openly about what people's goals are. You know, I have somebody in my exec team that wants to be, a teacher. I have somebody that wants to be a consultant and I want to make it really safe to talk about that, to say that's kind of their personal passion is, you know, they want to work maybe in five to 10 years. They want to work 20 hours a week doing consulting. Well, let's talk about that. How do we get you there? Um, you know, you may not be with us at that time, but how can we help you achieve that personal goal? And so that's really what we're working on is, is looking at what are people's goals personally and how can we help them achieve those? Because you get 100 people together and someone knows somebody that can help. And to me, that's just that's a super fun piece is really getting it connected to your people and their personal lives. I love that you are very open with that. And um, your culture, from what I've seen, you know, through social media and on LinkedIn and stuff, it's really resonating with a lot of people. So I just want to give you some kudos on that, because I think that you've worked really hard to turn things around uh, from where, where it started to now with, you know, all of the goals and being very employee centric. So I just, I just want to applaud you for that. So I guess for you, 2019, and some of the resolutions that you're putting in place for your business are very much employee focused and uh, getting to know them and what their goals are and how you can interpret that either into the company or how to help them externally as well. I, I agree. And, and thank you for that. And, and, and that's exactly right. So I think I hadn't actually put it that way. I'm going to, going to write that down later, but yeah, really looking at our, what our people are looking for, making it safe to talk about because I actually had a quarterly update a week or so ago. I mentioned that one, someone on the exec team wanted to be a consultant and they were kind of shocked, like, oh, it's okay to say that maybe you won't be working here. And, and 
I said, yeah, you know, the, I, I know a lot of consultants. I hire consultants all the time, you know, so I can help, uh, help that person achieve that. And so that's, that's exactly right is, is, you know, how do we get them engaged and feel safe that this is a, you know, you're not expected to work here for 50 years. If you don't, if you have bigger or different goals in your life and we want to make that really safe and comfortable to talk about and ideally, you know, achieve. Awesome. Well, we make New Year's resolutions personally, so why not for our business? In my next episode with Graham, we will follow up on their resolutions and see how they are going. As far as our reliance on the Postal Service in our business, I'm not sure we have the answers, but the fact that one disruption could cripple a business or an industry should be terrifying enough that someone needs to really evaluate their last mile strategy and hopefully come up with a better solution quickly because e-commerce and online shopping won't be slowing down anytime soon. For more information about Graham and Border Buddy, uh, please go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 41, or you can visit them at borderbuddy.com. Thank you so much, Graham, for another great discussion. It was fun. Thank you. So what are your thoughts on this important topic or both the topics that we talked about today, the disruption in the Postal Service, as well as New Year's resolutions for your business? Send them to me. I'd love to hear from you at listener at letstalksupplychain.com. And if you want to hear more from Graham, check out my other interviews with him and you can find those on the podcast page at the website. Next week, Hulft is here. We have been hearing a lot from them in the last couple of months, but who are they and what do they do? Well, find out more plus they tell us about an interesting project in the OEM space they are working on and that's all in next week's episode so stay tuned for that one if you want to support the show there's a few ways to do that go and rate and review the show on iTunes that's so other people can find us and I can I will take your review and I will um talk about it on an upcoming episode. Join us on social media. I have a LinkedIn page for Let's Talk Supply Chain. We have an Instagram as well as Twitter. Twitter is Let's Talk S Chain. And again, every Wednesday I post a question and it insights very, very good conversation. So make sure you are a part of those. Go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. We are so close and I can't wait to tell you all about what I'm working on. You're going to be super excited for it. So if you go to ships.com, just put in your information and you will be one of the first people to know once we are ready to let the world know about what we've been working on. And lastly, my supply chain dictionary, 107 pages of definitions and acronyms that you need to navigate the supply chain industry. So go and check that out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much for supporting another episode of Let's Talk Supply Chain. I wish you all the best for the holidays and have a great day. And remember everybody, ship happens. Ship happens.